Hi, welcome to Athletes Grit, from sports to life. This is a podcast interview series where I speak to current and ex-high performance athletes on their sport and how the skills learned, acquired and trained in competitive sport have translated into their professional and personal life. I hope that their true stories of grit in overcoming adversity will inspire and motivate others. Hearing stories of local athletes' journeys closer to home helps us relate better and makes each story even more meaningful. I'm Alex Lowe, consultant and coach in the fitness, health and wellness space, founder of Avery & Co, loving husband and doting father. Whether I am selected or not, it's my own personal journey. All of you have your own personal journeys, but we have a responsibility because we are representing the country. At the end of the day, it's up to us to, to wear the jersey with pride and all that. My guest today is Sydney Kumar, former Singapore rugby player, educator, coach, husband, father, and podcast host. Even though we've known each other for a short time and I'm seven years older, the fact that he plays a team sport and that we share the same alma mater makes everything so much more relatable. Sydney shares how not one knee injury, but two knee severe injuries left him almost not being able to fulfil his dream of representing Singapore at the SEA Games. An excellent narration of his life in the sport of rugby and how this has not just shaped him as a player, but also as a teacher, coach, father and husband. Welcoming Sydney Kumar. Hey, hi Sydney. Welcome to Athletes Grid from Sports to Life. Right. Hi, Alex. Um, in watching some of the episodes, I uh, feel very honoured to be you. Hey, the episodes. No, no, don't say that, please. Right. So, uh, I have with me Sydney. Sydney uh, is a rugger. Uh, it's a rugger, was a rugger. I think, you know, it's like once a rugger, always a rugger, just like me. Once a water polo player, always a water polo player. Maybe you can share a bit more to the listeners on what you are currently doing and also, you know, what you, you have been doing or how did you... Uh, end up in the sport of uh, rugby okay okay um my name is sydney uh, uh like alex mentioned i am a rugger we, we play rugby la. so uh, i've been playing rugby for what 25 years of my life 25 years mm-hmm. i'm 35 this year right so i've been playing for 25 years uh, my my body is barely in one piece i, I every alternate day i'm limping around um, <laughs> But I st- if you ask me <laughs> whether I have any other sport I would like to play, I would still go for rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, how I fell in love with rugby, I think the, a lot of it, I think back then, uh, I fell in love with rugby when I was 9, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it was, it was much more of a situational kind of thing. Uh, no one in my family played rugby and, and no one I knew at the time played rugby. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was in school and... and uh, I come from a school where rugby is a big sport, mm-hmm. right? So we would have interclass competitions and we would have uh, inter-school games and, and your CCA stuff and all that. But at that time in primary school, when you're P3, P4, you know, your first foray into your CCAs or your first foray into sports and competitions was the interclass games. Right. So back then we had hey, interclass rugby, you know. Uh, I think it wasn't full contact yet, but it was just a, a bit of tag, a bit of touch rugby. Mm-hmm. So in the class rugby, you know, that's the first time you get to, to touch an oval ball uh, after some PE lessons. And that was the first time you get to 
experience what it was like to to actually you know run around playing rugby yeah uh, as compared to to soccer and, and other sports where you you know you it's clear-cut soccer you know everybody wants to score a goal and all that. but rugby there's a difference not everybody wants to go and score a try not where everybody wants to put the ball on the line because for rugby, the thrill is actually running away from the defender. It's like playing catching. The thrill you get when, yeah, it's like playing catching, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? So all this while you're growing up, you're thinking of playing catching at the void deck, playing catching at my block or whatever, mm. right? Running away from your friends. But now it's an actual sport. Mm. You get a ball, you run around the field and there's a competition. You keep score and all that. So, so that was how I was introduced to the game. Mm-hmm. And I think from then, I, I never looked back. I, I joined the rugby CCA in school. Uh, I represented the school in different tournaments. Uh, that was in primary school. And then from secondary school onwards, I, I took it uh, a bit more seriously. Lah. So secondary school CCA is compulsory, right? Mm-hmm. So back then it was called ECA. Uh, I dropped all the other CCAs and other extra commitments and really focused on rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we were not really a, a championship winning uh, batch. Of, right. You would say we, we we didn't go to many finals. In fact, we didn't go to any finals during my time. Right. For so-called rugby playing school, which is St and, Andrews, uh, right? It was St Andrews Secondary. Yeah, St Andrews, mm-hmm. like St Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So it was it was really tough, and uh, people around us would would, would uh, call our time the dark era. Right. Dark era. Yeah. As in, yeah, times where we where we. Just didn't have the opportunity to go to finals. Didn't didn't have the caliber of players to really compete effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in, in my in my I don't have any medals. Right now, if you ask me whether I have a medal collection in my trophy cabinet, playing twenty five years of rugby, I don't have any from school. Mm-hmm. I've, I I have some from uh, other other sports endeavors. I ran track in school for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I have some various other medals, but I don't have any from rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, from the from the actual competitions um, so that was a really tough time and, and things uh, only started to get better in terms of game understanding in terms of uh, my personal standards uh, in in junior college right right after secondary school I went on to SAJC and I, I played two years there and it was at the end of my first year in after J1 after the first season I think we finished third. Mm-hmm. Right? We finished third. Uh, first time in a long time we actually went to the semi-finals for myself. Lah. And uh, we narrowly lost to Raffles uh, 6-0, which is two kicks. Mm-hmm. Right? So it was after that season that um, really changed my perspective on, on rugby and pursuing uh, a bit of excellence in mm-hmm. the area of sport. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was, it was always, you know, yeah, rugby, I love the game, you know, I, I played, it's my CCA, uh, that's it. But now I started to think, hey, maybe I can take this further. You know, I, I started to look at the, the guys playing the national team. I started to look at you know, what it means to, to actually play for Singapore. I started mm-hmm. to look at the SEA Games. I started to look at a, a bit of, um, a bit of, like I said, like excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the... The, the turning point came when at the end of the season, uh, they, they usually have a, a selection or, or name list. And then they, they start to call people up for, for the combined schools teams, mm-hmm. the age group teams. So back then it was the under 19 combined schools. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I, I saw that you know some of the other players from the other schools got called up and in that name list my name wasn't officially inside all right so that was my, uh, my, my, I was really disappointed and a bit confused. Lah. I was wondering, eh, I thought to myself, when I looked inwards, I thought, eh, I was one of the standout players in my school team. How come I'm not, I'm not selected? Right. Then I saw this guy, this guy, this guy selected. And then I thought to myself, wow, if I leave it up to the selectors and, and all these type of things, I will never get my chance. Mm. So I, I, my skin was a bit thicker back then. Lah. So I, I asked my friends, hey, when is the first training for the combined schools? Mm. Right. And then I just followed them and turned up. Right. I turned up for combined schools training. The coach looked at me. One of the coaches was one of my school uh, teachers. Right? Mm-hmm. So he looked at me and said, ah, this fella. <laughs> Name not inside. But never mind, you come. So never mind, so I trained. Mm-hmm. I trained, I trained, and, I, and then uh, the season started for the combined schools. So we play against combined polytechnic, uh, right. Sapsa team back then, and some other teams. Uh. And uh, most of the games I was on the bench. Because mm. already, I mean, my name wasn't, isn't, wasn't even uh, <laughs> inside originally. Uh, and, and I think that, that sort of fueled me a bit. Right? So back then I was 17 years old. And I was starting to mature a bit in my thinking. And that sort of uh, really opened my eyes up to a what I can do. I cannot just sit back and expect people to select me. I cannot just, you know, just because I'm from St. Andrews or whatever, I expect to be in the team, mm-hmm. you know, all these kind of things. So I started to see all these things. And I, that was also my, my, my first time uh, entering club rugby. Right? So I, I started to set myself certain goals. So one of my goals was to actually, uh, back then, was to actually play for Singapore one day. Mm. And I got my first chance later that year. Mm. So after the combined schools, that tournament, what happened was that they would have an open trial. And they would invite all the players from the combined schools team, combined polytechnic team, the SAFSA team, and to come down for an open trial for the national under-19 squad. Right. Right. So I came down for the trials and I, I think I played well. So mm-hmm. I made it to the national under-19 squad. And um, that was my first so-called official season like, representing the country. And you were considered um, young, right? Because you were 17 only, right? Or were you already 18 at that point? I think, I think back then, I, I was 17. Uh, mm. I would say one of the younger ones. Like, mm. uh, because it's under-19 tournament. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I played with guys from ACS and, and Raffles and all, the, all these other guys. And then... Uh, First foray into national team officially, first foray into uh, representing the country and, and uh, this kind of uh, international exposure, right? So our our tournament that year was in KL, and I really got a, I think for me especially it was a big shock, right? Uh, we weren't like 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 I said back then we were from the dark era. Right. I was from that era, so I didn't get a chance to travel overseas and play against big teams from from other countries. So when we played in that tournament, we faced Japan, Hong Kong, mm. and all these countries that had their under-19 team running like professional teams. Mm. So they were executing all these moves that were so complex that I've never even seen before. I only watched <laughs> them on TV, those kind of moves. So that was my first 
experience and also my first uh, so-called reality check right right um we it was fun it was it was a humbling experience we we lost many games we there was also uh, like a, like a bit of a spark i would mm -hmm. say uh, i came back from that that season i went into my jc2 year and and continue representing the school and of course with a levels that year i didn't uh, turn up for the uh, for the under 90 team again right mm -hmm. because for for the jc boys it's a bit tough right uh, to do that and then uh, i went into army and and to be honest i thought that was that was almost a um, like a half-time break for my rugby playing career mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what was going to happen because with army there's there's two years of uncertainty mm -hmm. right uh, i got i got i got into the commando mono intake mm -hmm. so i went in and because of my love for rugby right all all i was thinking of for the first few weeks of bmt was which injury i can use to chow gang to get myself out and to, to really <laughs> go and uh, get into a less intensive unit to go and play for safsa right right so that was the objective first few mm -hmm. months first few weeks the first month yeah so i was thinking well my ankle yeah i, I told my ankle little bit before, yeah, yeah, yeah that was possible then my i checked my shoulder this this that that all these are possible you know so then i had to ask myself do i really want to to uh, at the expense of my own uh so-called integrity yeah? mm -hmm. do i really want to use this kind of things to go and find loopholes and to really go and um, exploit the system in a way just to so-called play rugby. Was it really to play rugby or was it really to, to escape the, the national service component? Right. And after BMT, uh, I got, I got, I was, I was lucky enough to be selected to go for uh, the specialist course and to go to OCS and all that. Mm -hmm. And that was when I, I gave up on, on rugby for a bit. Mm -hmm. I told myself, hey, since I'm here, since I'm in the army, I'm, getting fitter and all that. Why not learn something? Why not make full use of the two years, right? Mm. And that's what I did. Went to OCS, I, I learned a lot. I, I got fitter. I lost like, I don't know how much weight. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I forgot about rugby for a while. Right. right? Uh, it was only until um, towards the, the end of the term where, where you were starting to clear your leave and, and towards ORD, where you start to think about it. Hey, starting to come out soon uh, you know i i have a place in uni and then i need to start getting back to rugby hmm. right? and that was when i started to to get back to club rugby and then uh, in preparation for uni and all the stuff things then uh, yeah so that was in 06 05 06 right and then uh, 07 i went into NDU. Uh, i started my degree in uh, bachelor's in uh, education mm -hmm. right and then um, in 07 i got the uh, call up for the national sevens team all right right uh, this was after playing some club rugby la. and uh, that was the start of my 10-year journey with the national sevens team mm. and uh, i would say the more significant part of my journey the 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 there were some milestones in there and there were some 
real lessons that I really took from that that ten year uh, journey. Mm-hmm. If you ask me now, how is how did I go through ten years? I also don't know because every year seems to seem to go by so fast. I I always reminisce with my with my other batchmates, other teammates, and we will talk about like how we used to, you know, how the seasons really come and go so fast. We are not pro athletes. Um, we 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 don't have a professional schedule. We're not paid and all that. But you know, it just time just flies, right? So in 07, uh, we got drafted into the sevens team, and then back then it, for me it was like a starting point again. I forgot about my under 19 time and all, and all that. And together with a few of the other guys that got drafted in at the same time, we were we were part of a rebuilding phase in the national sevens setup, right? So in 07, I think the it was a Sea Games in Thailand for the national sevens team. Mm-hmm. They went there, they got a bronze medal, and they came back. And a lot of that team actually uh, stopped playing, retired. All right. So that's when we were part of that, that so-called rebuilding phase. And the first few years were really tough. Um, like I said, again, another culture shock. This time around, it's men's rugby, not under-19 right. level already. All right. So we would go to we would go to tournaments in Shanghai, we would go to tournaments in Korea, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, and there will be like, full-grown Fijian guys, Japanese guys who are playing professionally, running at you, and, mm. and you'll be like, what the heck? I, I, I just played five games this year. This all the experience I have. Go easy <laughs> on me. What what's happening? <laughs> you know? And on top of that, these people they, they after they beat you, they smash you, the next day they're going to recovery, they are doing their training again. They are pro players. Whereas for us, after I get smashed, I take a flight back the next day I'm back to school, back to uni for lecture and I'll see you on training next week or whatever, you know. Mm. Yeah. So that was how it was like for the first few years from 07 to to maybe 20, 2013, right? Mm-hmm. 2013, 2014, uh, I, I I was I was getting I was I was about 20, 27, 26, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Approaching your, my prime, and I thought I was—I felt un, unstoppable at that time, right. because I was—I—I I, I was at my peak in terms of like uh, being able to play and understanding the game and all that. And I—that—that um, that season, I—I I really thought I was playing the best rugby I've ever played. Mm. And uh, I think in twenty fourteen March, twenty fourteen March, I—I I broke my leg. Oh, I suffered what they call a tibial plateau fracture. Hmm. Right, uh, that was a they classified it not as a sports injury. Sports injury means like your ligaments torn or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But that was a trauma injury. Right, trauma injury happens like only like car accidents and all that. Hmm. And it was a freak accident in a game of rugby It's not like one person tackle you and then I, I fell awkwardly or whatever. So what happened was. It's still fresh in my head, like all these things. It's like <laughs> in. So what happened was in that in that particular game, I, I just got the ball, I was running at almost full speed. And the opponent that was trying to tackle me was uh collide collided with somebody else. Right. And then the two of them actually somehow swung into my planted foot. Right. So the moment they hit me, I knew it was gone. Mm. 
I knew it was gone because that was the food that was planted and I was stuck there. I knew. And the first thing I did was I shouted, my knee, my knee. And then I just collapsed on the floor, oh. grabbing my knee. Mm. That was at uh, Yochukang Stadium. Mm. And uh, yeah, so they, they called the ambulance and, and straight away I went to. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Did I, you have to go for the op immediately? No, right? I'm sure you probably had to reassign, you know, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened was I was in, I was in the hospital, I was in ambulance and I remember uh, going there and thinking, oh my gosh, it's, it's done. Lah. I remember thinking I'm done because I knew that it was not just a normal ligament injury. I couldn't even walk myself. I couldn't, I couldn't feel my knee properly mm. and, and uh, it, it, it just felt different. Mm. So I remember going into the A&E and lying there and and then my, my family, my parents all came and, and same like the usual parents would be concerned and asking me, can you stop playing rugby or not? <laughs> Those kind of things. Like. <laughs> and I remember that um, what happened was they, they had to take a, a CT scan mm. of my knee because of the, the kind of damage that it had. Mm -hmm. You know, usually you take an, an X-ray or an MRI, but because of the the degree and the damage around it. Mm. Uh, they had to take a CT scan and the CT scan revealed that um, there were many fragments of the bone. Right. Right. So rather than just a clean, oh, I broke my leg. It wasn't like that. It was that the tip of the joint and the tip fragmented. Oh dear. So the, so, eating so, uh, the tibia that connects uh, to the femur. Correct. Uh, that part la. yeah okay yeah. so the the tibia the surface the knee surface right the tibial surface the mm -hmm. corner had fragmented right so that affected my whole knee joint and uh i had to i think with most of these kind of injuries usually they wait for the swelling to go down mm -hmm. before they oh. so mm -hmm. i remember uh, i waited i think saturday was the match i went in i waited for like two three days and then i I went for the op. So the op, they removed the fragments. They put in, I think, two metal plates mm -hmm. at the joint surface and uh, six screws with the on the tibia bone mm. to to fill up the space, lah. Right. Um, I remember I, this one. I remember distinctly. I remember coming off the operation theater, uh, screaming in pain. Oh, yeah. Because for some reason, uh, I think that that area running along the outer ITB area, uh, there's also a lot of nerves, mm. right? So I, I think there was some nerve block or something, right? So I came out of the operation theater and you know, in the recovery area, usually you'll be groggy and all that, right? Mm. I remember, I was like, oh, it's damn painful. Mm. So all I remember was the sharp pain. And then the nurse came in, they got to put me, thing. Give you some morphine. Or me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They are knocked out again. Um, yeah. So what happened after that? Uh, well, after that, I, I, I sunk into like a bit of a depression kind of state. Right. I, because to me, um, I, I felt like I was on top. Mm -hmm. I felt unstoppable. I felt, I, I felt like I was on top of the world. Mm. Now I was brought down to zero, mm. literally brought down to zero. I, I, 
I had to, well, I, I, I came back on a wheelchair, I had crutches, I couldn't put weight on my leg for, for six weeks, I, I, I couldn't drive, I, I had to, I couldn't shower properly, I, wow, so, so, I, I was, I was in a bit of a slump for, for, mm. for a long time, when I, especially when I couldn't do a lot of, a, a lot of things myself, and, um, I started to, I started to we look at things, we look at priorities, and ask myself, hey, you know, is it enough? Have I have I played enough rugby? Is it time to move on? All these type of things. Mm. But the the thing that was always lacking for me was the I told myself that when I when I played for Singapore, one of the goals was to to play in the Sea Games, mm. right? And this is something very interesting. Like I I. I, I, in my conversation with the other athletes, right? Like if I talk to a swimmer, or I talk to the water polo guys, mm. sea games for you guys is no problem lah. Every two years we go, what's mm. the problem? <laughs> right? Right. But for us, rugby in the sea games does not happen every game, mm. every every occasion. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, uh, in twenty, is it twenty? Yeah, so 2017, 2019. Yeah, so like just like this year, Sea Games supposed to happen in Vietnam, right? Mm-hmm. There's no rugby. There's actually no water polo right. also this year, 2019. Ah, uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So, 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 like, I mean, likewise, if you're in that situation, you'll be thinking. So for me, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Joined the squad in 2007 with the idea of playing Sea Games. Right. Right. So 2011 came. There was no Sea Games. 2013 came, uh, no Sea Games rugby. Right. 2015 came, Singapore. And 2015 was the one home ground. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we were all gunning for that. I was gunning for that, but lo and behold, the injury happened like in 2014, and so I asked myself, hey, 2014 March, April, the injury happened. Mm-hmm. Am I able to recover in time to to play in the home games for what June or July twenty fifteen? Mm. It's a very 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 tight timeline, and I think the physios and the doctors and the coaches didn't didn't expect la, didn't expect anything la. What and was the physically estimated uh, based on that sort of injury and operation right uh, recovery period? I think you are not supposed to play rugby anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I don't think that many of the doctors or physios were optimistic. Right. Uh, I, I think that because, because functionally, the, my, my leg was quite affected. Like I have no full flexion and, and my running gait and strength and everything is all changed. Mm. Right. It's not like it's not like a ligament or muscle injury where you're able to rebuild mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I, I was a bit stubborn, la, right? Uh, I had the blind optimism or hope that I wanted to get myself uh, ready for the 2015 games. Mm. So I, I started to do a bit of goal setting. After I got myself out of that depressive uh, funk, mm. I told myself, hey, cut this nonsense. Uh, I have limited time left. I'm not I'm not going to be younger anymore, right? So I needed to focus. What do I want to do? 2015 games? Okay, try. 
How long was that, you know, depressive state that you said you were in? You know, one week, two weeks, four weeks? I, I would say at least four weeks. Hmm. At least four weeks. Um, yeah, at least four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kept to myself and it doesn't help, right? You can't go out much. You, you, you were mostly bedridden. And, and the, it, it started getting better, I think, after that four weeks because I could, I could start to put a bit of weight on it. Mm-hmm. I could start to move around my crutches. I started to go out and get some fresh air, you know, and, and things like that. Right. And so, so that's when I started to to set the goals, lah. Right. Mm-hmm. I told myself that, hey, if I wanted to be selected for the twenty fifteen games, what do I have to do? What was the timeline I'm looking at? Mm. I, that means I had to be physically ready by twenty fourteen year end, mm-hmm. playing in the league, getting myself game time, getting myself selected. And then playing some tournaments in 2015 at the start of the year, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I worked really, 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 really hard on rehab. I remember I had to go to the physio like two, three times a week, and then do my own conditioning. And that was also the time where I, I had a new work environment. Mm. I, I got, I got posted back to St Andrews, and uh, I remember coming in early to do my rehab sessions and after school and, and things like that. So I worked really, really hard for what, seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in, in October, in October that year, I managed to complete my first game mm-hmm. in the league. Um, now completing a, a game in the league doesn't really matter, lah, right? Doesn't mean you're ready for the C games, you know? Um, but it was a big milestone. Yeah, because it's so, like six, almost six, okay, maybe six, seven, eight months. Uh, and yeah. you're back to being, uh, playing already. That's quite amazing. Yeah. So therein lies the issue also, mm. right? For me, if you ask me if I was, if I was four or five years younger mm-hmm. and I didn't bother about the time crunch, I, I was relaxing, I would say I would have taken my time. Right to to do my rehab, mm. I would have taken my time to really get back into it, because mm. now I feel that I may have rushed things, you know, just because I wanted to to be in contention for the twenty fifteen games. Mm. Uh, everything was built towards rugby, rugby, rugby. So if you ask me now, I would have taken a bit more time, mm-hmm. right? But back then, of course, I, I had my goals, and all I wanted to do was meet the milestones. Yeah functionally be able to perform and play on the field that was it mm-hmm. so I, I i i met the milestones and i continued to, to go and play and all that and then uh i i 2015 i was with the squad i was traveling with them a bit uh, but i didn't really get much game time because they they were already together for a while mm. so i have missed out about one and a half years with them right um, but you still managed so, to meet other people to be in contention for the squad that was uh, going or uh, to be selected, right? So that's already very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think if you, I think recovery-wise, you would, I wouldn't have any complaints. Like I, I, I thought I did quite well to to get into that state. 
you know, mm. to be able to play, to be able to even go for a trial and be in contention, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think realistically, it was tough. Lah. If mm. I was the coach, also, I wouldn't select me. Yeah. Right? Because I, you don't know when, you don't know whether your mm. leg is fully recovered. You don't know whether this guy is running on adrenaline just because he wants to meet his goals. Or whatever, mm-hmm. Right? So it was, I, 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 I think sometime in 2015, maybe a few months before the games, I resigned myself to the fate that I will not be selected. Right. Right. Uh, I deep down inside, I knew that, hey, I'm not up to scratch. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm selected, I also don't want to be a burden to the team. But I continued to train with the boys. I continued to to support them in whatever way I can. I, I was part of the training camp. I was providing opposition for them when they were preparing. Um, and during the actual tournament of the, the actual weekend of the SEA Games, the rugby SEA Games, uh, I got accredited as a water water boiler. <laughs> so I was helping them fill up water and, and running water for them. Mm. And to me, I thought that was my, my the, the, the least I could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, supporting these these guys, these brothers whom I've worked so hard with for so many years, mm. right? And uh, although I was so disappointed in not being able to play in the games, I thought, hey, it's a team sport. I have to suck it up. Now I have to back them up on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the games happened and, and then 2015 went by in a flash. They finished third. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> yeah. So they finished third, and and right after, uh, my focus shifted. Mm-hmm. Now I have to really, really, really uh, be clear on what I wanted, right. because firstly, I was getting old, and I was approaching the the so-called estimated, expected time frame of retirement for mm-hmm. most of the rugby guys or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was always younger guys knocking on our doors and younger guys, younger talent coming through. Right. So it's also time for the rugby union and the coaches to think about, you know, bringing in young blood and renewal. What for? They go and stick to the older guys. You know, they need mm-hmm. to prepare for the next games and all that. Yeah. So 2015, 2016, I was fully in the squad, and. Um, I set myself that goal of playing in the 2017 C games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like I said, like with every year that goes past, it gets tougher because you're getting older, younger guys coming in, and um, the game changes a lot, and, and all these type of things. So we had to deal with all that. And 2017 came by, and I, I thought I had put myself in a good position mm-hmm. to be selected. Uh, I, if you ask me to look at myself and judge myself as a player, I thought I had a, a good balance of experience and, and skill set and game management and fitness and, and the ability to, to, to play and to, to be selected. Mm. Um, so my, my first uh, opportunity to, to do that was in the C7s. It is a it is like a mock-up of the Sea Games. Right. It is held in Singapore. Uh, that was in 2017 in April. 
Right, so we played there in Singapore and the tournament was played largely at uh, Nuchukang. Okay. And the finals was played at the Star Hub. Ah, Star Hub. Was played at the Sports Hub. Right. The finals. Right. And uh, lo and behold, that year, the finals, we were up against Malaysia. Hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, that weekend was a big weekend for me because I, I was a teacher in charge of one of the school teams. Mm-hmm that was playing in the final also, the schoolboy final right. at the sports hub. Mm-hmm. And then personally, I was also playing. Oh, that's nice. So it was a big thing. Yeah, so it was a big, big, uh, big weekend lah, in terms of occasion. And um, yeah, so so what happened was that Saturday, we, we played all the games at Yochukang and um, I tore my MCL. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yes. Yes, I tore my MCL. And, the the worst thing was it was on my good leg okay right so my my the the tibial plateau injury was on my left leg i told my mcl on my right and then i thought oh my gosh that's it Hmm. so mcl back then when you i think i i don't know whether it's just me or what although i i felt a bit of looseness but i thought hey still can play late So me being me and being a bit older, being a bit more haphazard, uh, I went back, I took some acoxia, painkillers. The next day, the next morning I wake up, I woke up, I felt okay. Mm. I know that my knee was not 100%, but I felt okay. Right. I went to the sports hub, I met up with the team, I told the coaches, hey, I'm okay. Mm. And I got the physio to strap me up really good. Mm. And then uh, I warmed up, and the warm up felt okay. So when the warm up felt okay, I know, hey, okay, there was a, I, I, I was, I was able to play, mm-hmm. right? So I, I went on, uh, and we was part of the team, and I came on in the second half, and we played, and we beat Malaysia. And you know, with every sport, every sport in Singapore, the feeling of beating Malaysia, uh, our neighboring country, you know, it is. It's really something that you cannot replicate. Lah. So if you ask me now what was one of the high points beating Malaysia at the sports hub. Right. So when the final whistle blew and we won, wow, that feeling, can't imagine. Because you have family and friends and I had students watching and, and all those kind of things you know, mm-hmm. at the sports hub. That was the closest we, we could ever get to playing in our so-called national stadium. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so that was that was one hell of an experience, and then after that, I had to go and change up and get ready to prepare my boys for their own final. Right, right. So and they won as well. So that was a perfect weekend for for me, like in terms of rugby. Double whammy. Yeah, yeah. Um, after that, you know, things started to get serious in terms of selection for the actual C games, mm-hmm. and I thought, hey. You know, I, I surely I have done enough to, to get myself on the team. Surely I have done enough. Mm. But you fast forward to a few more weeks, uh, where selection time came. Uh, it was one of the trainings uh, at uh, TCAB. So the coach came up to me before training and said, Hey, Sid, I need to talk to you. I knew something was up. <laughs> so he pulled me aside and said, Hey, okay, we are, we are not going to select you. Oh dear. Well, my heart, my heart sank. 
I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what else do I have to give? <laughs> I played on painkillers. I, I went through this and that. I went through the fitness sessions and, and, and being one of the older guys, I put myself through days of uh, work and training and, and, and managing injury in order to, to, to do this. Mm. What else do I have to do? So they say, hey, yeah, I'm sorry, you don't try. So, um, you know, so some of the reasons were like, oh, you're worried you might not recover in time because uh, you're a bit older. We're worried about your injury and all that things. But I, yeah, I, 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 I was so, so, so upset. I, and the worst thing was, that was at the start of training. Mm. I didn't want to be, uh, I mean, it was just not me to, to be so selfish and say, okay, fine, you're those, let me buy, I'm done. Mm. Right? And leave the session. So I remember after that, uh, we got into a huddle with the rest of the boys and they announced the team. And the boys looked at me, I was like, <gasps> so I was like, okay. So I had to say something. So I, said, I told them, I said, hey, doesn't matter. It's not about me. Mm. Right? Whether I am selected or not, it's my own personal journey. Mm. All of you have your own personal journeys, but we have a responsibility because we are representing the country. Mm. Right? At the end of the day, it's up to us to, to wear the jersey with pride and all that. We got on with training and that was it. I I had to... That selection, you know, selection for the Sea Games usually happens at least two, three months before the actual yeah. games, like, mm-hmm. right? So even after that, uh, I had to I had to go on a training tour to Brisbane. Mm. And it was especially tough to go on that because at one point you are thinking, hey, I'm already not selected. Why do I want to take time off work, take time off, uh, uh, you know, to, to go do this? Why do I want to do that? I know that I'm not selected. Then the other end is that you're, you're thinking that, hey, I've been training with these guys for so long. You know, I want to help them with the last push. Mm. I want to get them over the finishing line. I want to prepare them well for the Sea Games. And then somewhere in the middle, you're thinking about your own personal uh, ideals and your own personal goals. Hey, I have to keep the hope alive. I have to keep chasing that dream. Mm. Because what if someone gets injured? I'm next in line, no? Yeah. So I had to deal with all this, and uh, yeah. So I went, I went to Brisbane with the boys and trained. We trained, and and um, the fast forward again, sea game started. Mm. The boys flew up. I think they flew up on a Monday or a Sunday, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that was it. Like I got on, with, I got on with work. I came back. I was a bit depressed, sulking a bit, <laughs> um, but finally we move on, right? Right, and uh, I think that 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 the week of the tournament, uh, I was I was just I was just doing my work like doing my own thing, and then I got a call on Tuesday. Mm. Coach is calling me from from <laughs> KL. I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be. And I was in a meeting with with some other other stakeholders, so I left the meeting and I answered the call. Said yes. Coach told me, hey, I'm not joking. You get your stuff ready. We'll give you more details, but we need you to fly up. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, am I in the movie or are you pranking me or what? what's happening? 
So he said, no, he's serious. He needs, to, he needs me to get ready. So I had no information, but I knew that I had to get ready. Mm. Right? So I, I packed all my stuff. I excused myself from the meeting. And I came back to school and I told my, my bosses, I said, hey, um, you know, this weekend I may have to, I may have to fly down. Uh, I'll give you more information when I have it. Right? So then I, I told my fiancé, now my wife, mm. hey, I'm going, you know. I, uh, what's happening? I'm going. So I went back home that day, packed up all my stuff. I didn't have any Sea Games attire. I didn't have any information, <laughs> but I just packed like I'm going. On, I don't know where. <laughs> I packed my my best pair of boots. I packed all the red color T-shirts and Singapore rugby shirts that I have. Mm. Packed everything, and then the next day, I went down to SSI, mm. right Sports Council. So I went down. Same thing. The my team manager texted me, said, "Okay, go and collect your Sea Games attire. Look for this person, so and so." So I went down there like a fool because Sea Games time, everybody is away at the games. Yeah, there's <laughs> only a few people at, at Sports Council. I went there. Uh, I'm looking for so and so. I need to collect my Sea Games attire. So the person, oh, okay, okay. They went to a storeroom. They took out. Okay, done. Jacket, trolley bag, shirt, trap pen, So I put inside. Bear in mind that even then, right, I had no flight details. Mm. So I, I took all the stuff and then what happened was I, I knew that the flight was going to be sometime in the day. Right. I don't know what time. Lah. So I hung around at SSI. I told, hey, better get myself ready. I've been relaxing for the past few weeks. Right. So I went to change up, went to the gym, mm. the SSI gym. Throw some weights, get myself tuning a bit. And then, okay, he texted me, hey, the flight, your flight is at uh, 3 plus, 4 plus. Okay, get yourself to the airport. So I said, okay, get myself to the airport. Changed up, showered, went to the airport. I was on the flight. I was the only, only rugby person on the flight, right? With, I think, the bowling team and some others. Mm. It was a Silk Air, those uh, Sea Games flights, right? Mm. So I went there, felt like a superstar. I reached the airport. There was a person holding the sign, Sydney Kumar. I was like, oh, yes, me. Went there happily. So I went there and then got myself out, checked out everything. Then the bus was there ready to pick me up. This liaison officer came up. Are you Sydney? Yeah, come, come, come. I went on the bus. The bus was empty. Only the liaison officer picked me up mm. with the whole bus. So I thought, wow, the boys must be training hard or having some team session. So I sat on the bus and then they brought me to the Jovla. So, you know, near the airport, of course, is one of the premium outlets. Right. At KL. Mm-hmm. The bus turned into the car park, and then I saw these clowns coming out of the shopping mall <laughs> with shopping bags. Hey! Waving to me. <laughs> so, they nicely all went shopping. So, came out of the bus. Hey, it, was, it was really a surreal like uh, feeling to, to see them, to link up with them, and to, to, to think that I'll be playing with them this weekend. Mm. When I had, when I had given up all hope and, and thought that that was it mm-hmm. for my for my national team playing days, and then um, yeah, and then fast forward to to the tournament itself, uh, we did what we could. It was it was tough playing against Malaysia in Malaysia mm-hmm. in the final, and we lost. So we 
we finished with a silver medal, which is still the best uh, uh, best rugby placing mm-hmm. uh, so far in the Sea Games, and um, and that was it. That I uh, some kind of weird journey. I don't have a proper uh, fairy tale ending, but somehow it just happened. But then, and, what was the reason that you were not selected from the beginning? Is it because someone was injured, or someone, or they decided to open up to one more entry for the team list? What was the reason? You were not supposed to go uh, on the trip, right? And they called you last minute. Yeah. Right? yeah so, yeah. what yeah. was the reason that so, a, a slot opened up? Ah, okay. Mm. So on basically, they flew there. I think on a Monday, and I think that afternoon training while the boys got injured right okay yeah um yeah and he was one of the younger more talented guys as well mm-hmm. so it's a it's a big disappointment uh, for for the team right and uh, i i also had big shoes to feel like to come in mm-hmm. yeah well this yeah, so, uh... so that was such a amazing journey that you've had with the you know first of all the first injury and that was about 2014 and then uh, after that with the mcl injury wow and you know so much that you had to go through with the rejection after rejection after rejection (laughs) yeah and now right thick skin it's called thick skin (laughs) and and now you are still involved in rugby you are um Training? Are you a coach? You're still playing at club and you're also a coach for, for the school team? I, I did a bit of coaching for, for clubs and all that uh, when I was still playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, do, I do some youth coaching and, and all that. And then now, because I'm back in my alma mater, uh, I, I, I mean, my main job is a teacher, right? But right. when I have the time, I actually help out with coaching because I, I, I do play the game. Do you still, you know, I want to rewind back to when you talked about the dark era, right? When, you know, there's this label Mm. on top of all of your heads to say, this is the batch that, you know, is the dark era. I mean, would you compare that dark era more dark or, you know, that time when you were injured and you didn't really know what to expect for the future? What was actually, if you were to compare both both periods? If I were to compare, I think it's different. Uh, mm. It is. It is uh, back then. I would say it is a dark era for for many reasons. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had structurally, I think structurally the the the, the program wasn't robust enough mm-hmm. to say that we we are going to win championships or to, we are going to the finals. And then coupled with that, we don't have the right group of players. We don't have the right coaches. And all these factors came into play, mm-hmm. so that's why we, we we always call it an era. And back then, also, I think being in secondary school back then, um, I was a bit uh, immature, mm-hmm. so I didn't really have to to focus on myself. I didn't say that hey, we are not playing well because individually we are not good enough. So we should we should improve our skills. We should do this. We should do that. Right. Back then, it wasn't that kind of thinking, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, it wasn't. We also didn't have the winning mindset to say that. Hey, sec one we lost. Why? Mm. You know. Then we re refocus and, and look at it differently. You know? And I think the biggest thing for me, the difference, the biggest difference was that I think in secondary school, I didn't have that goal. Mm. I didn't tell myself that. Hey, 
I want to go to the finals with my school team next year. Right. Or I didn't want to to say that, uh, you know, I want to play for Singapore or the national under-16 or the national under-18 team or whatever. I didn't have that goal. To me, I enjoy rugby, I enjoy chucking the ball, I enjoy playing, uh, catching, mm-hmm. you know, and that was that was it. Lah. Whereas injury, uh, personal challenge, and that goal makes a bit of difference. Not bad. Makes a lot of difference when you have something to, to drive towards. That was the yeah. definitely the defining difference, right? Having a goal and you know all of those milestones that you need to achieve to get to the goal, right? What would yeah. you say, right, Sydney? Uh, the other things that I mean, being in high performance competitive sport for so long, what do you think has uh, through those years of training actually prepared you um, for that moment of you know uh, overcoming all of those? challenges you know of injury and not making it to the team uh, what, what what do you mm. think uh, the apart from the goal setting like you know and having that goal uh, in mind what do you what else do you mm. think were the defining features i think two things like, uh, if you ask me to to really go and define and extract it now i think two things so the the biggest thing uh, biggest factor will be discipline mm. right um we are i mean yourself myself we are lucky in the sense that we play a team sport Mm-hmm. So the discipline to me in a team sport is, is a bit more spread out. We are accountable to our teammates, you know, and that that spreads the load of it. Right. What do I mean? I mean that if 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 uh, we we need to train or we need to turn up for training, we know that hey, the other teammates are there. There's a certain time rostered for us. Uh, it's a team session. If I'm not there, I I not only let myself down, I let the teammates down. Mm-hmm. So we spread that discipline uh, load. In an individual sport, it's just you against yourself. So you even more so, you need to have that discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> for rugby and I think even for water polo, yes. or most of the high-performance sports in this case, uh, you need that discipline to, to find your own time to better yourself, to go to the gym, to do your own swimming, to do your own skills training. Mm-hmm. They, this is the difference uh, at, the, at the top end, Yes. right? So discipline is one thing. The other thing I would say is uh, a bit of a growth mindset. Mm. I, in the in the later years of my rugby playing days, I, I really, really, really got attached to this idea of growth mindset. Mm. I, 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 I allowed myself to, to really open up and explore this idea. And this is what uh, gave me the optimism and uh, the drive to, to say, hey, people are telling me that I'm injured, I, I should stop playing, I can't, but I'm not limited by that anymore. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm always thinking, hey, it's always possible, it's always uh, achievable if I do certain things. There are steps to get there. What must I do? Right. The door is never closed now, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the two biggest things, like if you ask me. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's good to know and new for me to uh, hear as well, right? The growth mindset and understanding that there are many paths to the same point, right? And if you can actually um, picture where you want to go and there are things that you can do to actually get there, right? Uh, Possibilities are endless and limitless. Hmm. Yeah, and how much of all of this do you actually apply to your current role, right? You know, as a teacher at St. Andrews and also in your role, whether it's uh, teaching or uh, coaching the the rugby team? Hmm. How much of this is, is I think the 
when I was young, when I first came into to teaching in this school, I think the 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 thing that I had was time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have I didn't have my own family back then, and I committed everything into rugby and my schoolwork and my work with the kids. Mm. So I would spend four or five days a week uh, after school teaching the boys uh, or spending time with the boys at the gym, skill development on the field. Even though I was not appointed as a coach, I don't get extra extra allowance if I'm mm-hmm. coaching the boys or putting extra time in, right? So I I also through through whatever means I could, I also mm-hmm. had to teach them that hey, at the end of the day, you need discipline. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, you need to understand what are the goals required, what are the milestones, how do you get there? Mm-hmm. Um, if if I if I thought that um, my most valuable asset is my experience, mm. right? I can be a mouthpiece, I can read certain books, or I can, as a teacher, I can impart certain concepts and all that. But not mm-hmm. everyone has the kind of experience that I had. Not everyone went through uh, the dark era, or not everyone has the same injury or, or the same uh, setbacks. You know? mm-hmm. So those kind of stories, I love to tell the kids. Mm. Those kind of stories, uh, when I have the opportunity, I will share with them. Um, and this was especially solar when in, during my first few years. Um, now I try to, as, as with situational changes, with, with more time and commitment towards my own family uh, and a different role in the school, I also have to look at uh, structures, building structures, building the, the right environment to actually create and extract this kind of mindset, mm. this kind of values in the boys. So I can't just say that, hey, I will just hire two coaches and, and come down and train and build a championship winning team. Right. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know that there are very, very uh, uh, many different components involved in winning championships or in having a, a high excellence program, mm-hmm. not just the rugby skills or not just uh, sport specific skills, but the values and the, the psychology and the leadership and the, the different uh, ideas behind and the different concepts behind uh, any sport, any performance, uh, any any team that's going out for competition, any team that's representing the school. At the end of the day, what do we want of these boys? Whether we can value add, whether our programs are able to, to elicit the best mm-hmm. out of these boys, or whether they're just there to play and, and, and go through the motion. And at the end of the day, this doesn't mean anything to them. All right. 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 So, um, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, like my, my role has shifted a bit. So now I'm more involved in building the structures behind uh, the, the programs and trying to make sure we get the most out of these boys. Wow, that's amazing, right? Thank you for, you know, sharing your experience, your wisdom, and, you know, pushing forth this growth mindset for the younger generation. And right now, you know, as a more of like a um, building systems for all of this to to, to be to be uh, happening and taking effect in the schools, right? Yeah, we are, we're coming almost mm. to the end of the session, right, Sydney? And if mm. we'll, one last question, right? Uh, if you had something to yeah. tell your younger self, right? Uh, I don't know at which point, la, maybe at the time where you broke your leg or when you were having the MCL uh, uh, tear or maybe even younger than that. But, you know, throughout this uh, career as a, a rugger, what would this uh, something uh, you would be for you to tell your younger self? 
if I had something to tell myself, younger self. Mm. Okay, like like I mentioned just now that, I mean the, the maturity and the idea of of that discipline required to perform at a high level only mm. came towards the latter stages of my career. Mm. Now, if you ask me if I was 15, 16 years old and I had that kind of discipline mm. and the kind of uh, growth mindset, mm. I, w- I would totally be a different person now. I mm. would have maybe, you know, been in different positions or winning different championships or performing at different levels. Mm-hmm. But again, I would never have traded the kind of experiences I had, mm-hmm. right? I started purely for the love of the game and that allowed me to really expand the, the, my horizons a bit in the sense that I was able to really enjoy and really fall deeply in love. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you understand, but like um, what I'm saying is it, I didn't get exposed to, oh, when I'm 13 years old, I want to win. Yeah. And I'm in this to win. And then I get burnt out when I'm 18 years old because hey, I, I don't want to train so hard anymore. Right. You know, I want to find joy in something else. But for me, I was allowed that time and space. Um, yes, I don't have many medals now, but I was allowed that time and space to say that, hey, I really love this game. Mm. You know, I really, really love this game. And this game has taught me so much. And, and, and you know, so so that that was a, yeah, if you ask me, that was something that I would consider. And I guess, you know, in its own time, things would have happened at the different age, at the different stages of your life. And that is what uh, made you who you are today to be the successful person you are. And, you know, now being in the position to impart all of these to the next generation. Yeah, yeah I think it's, that's very, very powerful. And it's such a uh, meaningful journey that you've had. I think you, you definitely must be somebody that many of the, the kids in school who play rugby look up to, right? Uh, all the experience and wisdom that you you shared. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, I, when I see the kids, I think they just want to try to beat me in a race or try to outlive me in the gym or try to challenge me to something. But that's, I guess, that's the fun thing, lah. Uh, and uh, yeah. enjoy it while you still can. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and all so right. How often I can run. Yeah. <laughs> that's that. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Sydney. I, I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you, and I hope you you enjoyed yourself too. I did. I did. Yeah. Maybe yes, just a yes, plug yes. for you. Please tell us about your podcast. Ah, okay. Yeah. So uh, this was born out of the pandemic. I start. I wanted to tell stories about athletes from different sports, and I wanted to have a repository for these these athletes to really share their journeys. So I, I started the Create No Hate podcast. Uh, it's on all your podcast platforms. Uh, go check it out if you can. And uh, of course, uh, support the Athletes Grid, Grid podcast as well. Athletes Grid, right? Yes, Athletes, athletes Grid. Yes. Thank and, you. Uh, be inspired by the different uh, stories as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sydney. I'll catch you soon. You have just listened to the 10th episode of Athletes Grid from Sports to Life. Here are my takeaways from episode 10. Number 1. Coming out of injury is never an easy experience for anyone to go through, physically, emotionally and psychologically. The beginning stages of recovery are the most difficult when you are functioning less than optimally and needing the physical support of others. Keeping in mind your goals and being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel 
It's that internal drive you will need to push you through the emotional and psychological challenges to come out stronger. Number two, it's not always about you. It's about the team and it's about what you can do for the country. And in a more general context, it would be what you can do for the greater good of society and this earth. Number three, discipline is what allows you to become better on your own. But a team drives you past your personal threshold to accomplish something larger and bigger. Because you're not just thinking and doing things for yourself, but for the team. Number four, the growth mindset allows us to know that it is always possible to achieve. The door is never closed and the ceiling is never too high. Adopt that growth mindset to see changes to how and what you fill your life with. Number five, allow time and space to grow. Discipline and maturity come at a later time in your life. Everything else that happens before adds to the wisdom you gain for today. If you enjoyed the podcast interview, do follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be kept up to date of new releases as I continue to speak to current and ex-high performance athletes in Singapore to inspire and motivate of their personal stories of grit and triumph in overcoming challenges and adversity. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you again soon.